And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? The in-laws are in town, so I've been pushed further into my house. I am now in the storage room doing my (laughs) podcast. (laughs) In a much different location. We have a mega pod today, Al. Mega Uh, pod. Big pod. We will have Ben Pfeiffer on uh, of Twitter. I don't know what else he's on. Draft analyst Twitter. Draft Twitter. Draft analyst, yeah. He's... And I think the reason we wanted to bring him on is because he has some different opinions. He's not going to come on here and be like, guys, Cade Cunningham one, Evan Mobley two, and then I don't know, Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs. What do you think? You know, exactly. he's not going to bring that. I feel like, well, you know, it's been weeks. <laughs> this is a, yeah. such a long pre draft process. And pretty much everyone knows how we feel, especially you and Michele, and even me for some of the guys at the top. But, so we wanted to bring on someone who would just be a little bit different, give us some new perspective on some of these guys. It's going to be great. And then at the tail end of the show, Vrenz Blyenberg comes on the pod, which is quite a treat. He is, uh, one, he's a delight. Uh, and two, he talks about his experience going to work out for the Thunder and what that draft process was like for him. And... You're going to love it. You're absolutely going to love it. So stay tuned for for that interview because he's the man. I'll probably clip some of the video too because we did it on video on Zoom and put that out uh, if I have time. My time is like outrageously limited right now. But. It is so funny that we have a guy who may not even be on the Thunder. He might not. But but he's he, already he is, on the Thunder, <laughs> according is, to Thunder Twitter. He is tied to the Thunder through Twitter, which is just such a fascinating thing. And he ties himself to the Thunder on Twitter. Uh, he's tweeting out things like, who's the better fan base, the Thunder or the Knicks? <laughs> and like has people vote on that. So like, he's already tying himself to the Thunder. Whether or not they draft him, I don't know. And I talked to him about this about how he profiles as a Thunder player. He's 6'11", he can dribble, he can pass, he can shoot. Like, he's very Thunder. And they have two picks in, about the, in where he would be available at 35 and 36. And I think that it's certainly possible that they would draft him. They've already taken a look at him, but he, he feels very Thundery to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. You told me some details about your uh, interview with him. And uh, it yeah. sounds like it wasn't just your average athlete interview where it's just boring responses. It sounds like you actually learned a lot about Vrins. Yeah, there's some. There's a couple nuggets in there that I didn't know that I don't think anybody knew uh, about him and his experience here. So, just 
just stay tuned for that. Uh, and then Ben Pfeiffer will come on here in about 15 minutes. He'll be live with us. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to check us out on YouTube. If you are just listening to the podcast, you can subscribe and get notifications when we go live and then join us live. It's fun. People, people get in the comments sections, may even say your name on the pod. Who knows? Alex, there was some, there was some like thunder adjacent news yesterday that could significantly impact the future of the team. And I draft, I had four or five different tweets that I drafted about the Kawhi injury, but I never sent any because I never, I don't think you ever really want injury to be the reason that your team is benefiting. It just feels weird to me. I just don't, I don't, I don't love it. I don't love talking about it. I don't love reveling in it. But the fact is that the Clippers missing Kawhi for the entire season, like he'll miss the whole season. That is very, very significant with regards to the pick that is completely unprotected. Yeah, it it really affects the Thunder's future. And to be honest, like back when all these trades were made, and, and for any of these trades, like you can talk about the Milwaukee picks that were going to New Orleans or anything like that, you know that the the way that you're most those picks are most likely to turn into good picks is someone good on that team gets hurt in a random year and that team has the random season from hell. Like two years ago, we saw it with Golden State. Like obviously they owned their pick at that time, but if someone else had owned their pick, they would have just happened to get lucky because that happened to be the Golden State Warriors year from hell, everyone gets injured, they end up being a lottery team. I don't know if that's going to happen with the Clippers because we saw that a team, a Clippers team without Kawhi was still able to beat the number one seed in the Western Conference, albeit without Mike Conley, and take the Suns pretty far. So we'll see what that team is like, but they're in a really interesting position because obviously Kawhi has the player option. I still think he opts out. We saw it with Kevin Durant. There's going to be teams who would offer Kawhi the full max, even though he had this injury. But they have some other issues beyond that. I mean, they have, are they going to be able to resign Reggie Jackson? Because it's not like if Kawhi just leaves, like let's, and we, that is still a scenario. I mean, I don't know if we want sure. to believe, if we want to believe Skip Bayless, but he's talked about the fact Ke- that. Yeah, Kevin left after he had his major injury. You know, it's right. Like, that won't stop anybody from doing it. And, and Skip Bayless has talked about, and who knows with Skip Bayless, but I feel like sometimes he's right on Kawhi, which is that Kawhi was upset with the way that the Clippers medical team initially diagnosed it. Because it was initially yep. diagnosed as this knee sprain, which, to be fair, if you Google knee sprain, it does say a tear. But we were told that, oh, if they make it to the finals, Kawhi might come back or he'll be reevaluated. And so yesterday's news was really shocking in that respect. So I, th- I think we still have to leave open the idea that it's still possible Kawhi could leave. And in that scenario, it's not like they have a ton of money left over because they still need to re-sign right. guys like if they want to bring back Nicholas Batum or if they want to bring back Reggie Jackson or Patrick Patterson, probably not. Um, so it, they are in a really weird position. I don't think that it's automatic that if Kawhi misses next year, they are like a top eight pick or anything like that. I still yeah. think they'd be in the mix for like late lottery, like playing tournament. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is huge news in terms of OKC's future and OKC's present because we've talked about how a lot of these picks coming up on their own right now 
don't seem like amazing picks. You know, most of them project to be mid to late first rounders. Could this be the thing that boosts the value of one of those picks and maybe they they would trade it if they're really trying to move up and it would seem appealing to another team? I think at this point you just hold on to it because, I mean, that could be a lottery ticket. You just don't know now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a world where a Paul George, Marcus Morris, Terrence Mann team is good. Luke Kennard. Like, there's or, a world where that's yeah. a, a good regular season team. Good enough. Yeah, where where they are like the fifth seed or something like that. And they're like a feel-good story, and the Thunder get like the, the 20th pick in the draft. Right. You know, that's that's certainly possible. So I, it's... That's why it's also hard to like celebrate it because we just we don't know. And if Reggie stay like and if Reggie stays and he's anywhere close to what he was in the playoffs, like that's they are we're clearly a good team that could beat anybody on any given night. Uh, you also if if you want to go the positive thunder route, I mean Paul George is 30. I think this will be his age 31 season. He is almost always hurt at least like once or twice a season. So if he's out, then that's a bad team, like straight up. Oh, like for sure. Straight up bad, bad team. So there is there is the chance, like you said, for them to be late lottery, and which would be incredible. If this was two years from now, they'd have way more flexibility because coming up, they still have the expiring contracts of Patrick Beverly and Rondo, which together those guys are like over $20 million of their cap. If they didn't have those guys, you could see them making a bigger move. But if they're going to make a move this summer, like these reports coming out that they're interested in Lonzo, like how are you getting Lonzo? What could you possibly do? They don't have picks. They're young players, Terrence Mann, who they obviously want to keep. I just, I don't see how they could possibly make a move. So they really are in a tight position. And also, like what, well, maybe this is incorrect. I was going to say what free agent would want to come to the Clippers knowing that Kawhi's might not be there, but again, it, it is L.A., so <laughs> guys might just want to live in L.A. Yeah, they might, but they're still the Clippers. They are still <laughs> you know, the Clippers. They're still, yeah. they're still the Clippers, and they won't be a contender next year. That's That would be the thing. It's L.A. and a contender. I mm-hmm. think all those guys will just go to the Lakers that want to be in L.A., like if you if there's like a, a guy that's a veteran that was willing to take a pay cut, they'll just go to L.A. Yeah, yeah. The Lonzo the Lonzo thing is something to watch certainly because I I don't think New Orleans is going to match just anything that comes their way. Oh, I don't disagree, and I think there are teams out there where he makes a ton of sense. Um, like for instance, the New York Knicks, who have been rumored to be aggressively pursuing Colin Sexton, which I thought was very funny because. It came out yeah. like they were aggressively pursuing him, and then you saw what the trade offer was. It was like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> doesn't seem that aggressive. Like it was, <laughs> it was the the proposed deal, which I think it was the uh, locked on Cavs guy who released it, was like Obi Toppin, Kevin Knox, and their two first rounders this year, the nineteen and twenty one. Yeah. Which like that, I think like if you can get Colin Sexton for that, even though I have issues with Colin Sexton, like yeah, I would probably do that if I were the Knicks. They have a ton of cap space. They're gonna have to that's, use that cap that's space. That's pretty somewhere. aggressive for Se- that's pretty aggressive for Sexton. Two firsts and your lottery pick from last year. Like that's pretty aggressive. I see. I don't value Obi Toppin that high at all, especially on that Knicks team. He's never gonna play with as long as Julius Randle's there. So that's yeah. like a sunk cost to me. 
And then the two first, like, we know what the Knicks are trying to do. Like, they do not care about, like, rebuilding through the draft. So if the alternative to that is, oh, try to chase some veteran that has passed his prime or get a 24-year-old who's a a proven score in the NBA and has done it efficiently, I, I, I know, like, I don't, I would not like Colin Sexton for the Thunder, for instance, but if he could go to the Knicks and then if they could, they have the cap space to also make an offer to Lonzo in that scenario, like Lonzo would be a pairing with Colin Sexton that I might actually like. Sure. If you're the Knicks, would you rather give up all of that for Sexton or give up, what do they have? 20, what pick they have? 22? 21? Uh, ni- they have 19 two. and 21. Oh, yeah, 21. Would you rather give up just 21 for Kemba? For Kemba? Um, oh, what would I do? I mean, it's, yeah. I, I mean, I could see just that. Two, I, just two years of Kemba. I mean, theor- I mean, if Kemba can play, one, like, electric in the garden like they would absolutely love it right yeah and you're only you're only in it for two years you're bringing in colin sexton you're going to pay him long term as if he is one of your guys i would almost be more scared of colin sexton to be honest you'd be more scared of colin sexton than the guy who's like perpetually injured and is making 36 million or whatever probably yeah i mean at this and giving po- and giving up and giving up like tell the Knicks, like develop Obi Toppin, keep him. I don't care. Keep one of keep the nineteenth pick. I don't care. You know you have chances there, and there will be a good player at nineteen. That will happen. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, I definitely like who's in that range, and that's why I wouldn't hate that deal for the Cavs, even though I'm sure Cavs fans think that trade is like a poo poo platter. Um. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I I just prefer the idea of skewing younger with what the Knicks are doing, but but targeting guys who are like in that twenty four, like pre peak of their career. Um, I don't necessarily love like Emmanuel Quickly and Colin Sexton together, which you know, quickly yeah. quickly was not involved in that that fake trade, but. I don't know. We'll see. I think the bigger point for us is that the uh, Thunder were rumored to be interested in Colin Sexton, and we are not buying that. No, that's not even a rumor. That's just somebody typing into a computer. <laughs> it's not real. Like, there's no. It's just uh, somebody typing. Line up. Somebody line up the lot. Just even just try to line up the logic. The Thunder want to bring in Colin Sexton. So that they can lock him into a long-term contract, like I, I just don't see it. I just don't buy it at all. And then, what's the trade offer that you feel comfortable with? Oh yeah, I, I would not do it from the Thunder's perspective. I do think people are underrating Colin Sexton. Like, I, I get that he has his issues. He is terrible defensively, but he, yeah. like, he is a efficient score like if you just looked at his scoring output like he is an elite scorer for hit for a third year nba player like it is extremely rare and we talked about it on saturday slam and jam like how rare it is and honestly you could say the same thing about darius garland um I, I he is one of those guys who i get 
what people don't like about him, but he you also have to acknowledge that he's been in a terrible situation and that his backcourt mate is another super small guard who can't defend. Like that was never going yeah. to work. And if he is in yeah. another system like a defensive-minded tib system in New York Knicks, I think it's going to look a lot different, and all of a sudden people are going to be like, oh, wow, I guess Colin Sexton is pretty good. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, there weren't many guards, many point guards, that averaged 24 points per game this past season. I don't care where you're playing or what you're doing. You know, he's getting to the line six times, 81% from there. He's 37% from three on four attempts. Uh, He can do a lot of things. I just would prefer him do it elsewhere. Oh, that yeah, that's how I feel exactly. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I do not. To be clear, I do not want him on the Thunder. I do not think he's a good fit for the Thunder. But I do think there are teams where he does fit, and I feel the same way about Lonzo. There are teams where mm-hmm. Lonzo fits, and he is going to look so much better. And I, honestly, I thought he looked good last year. But like th- these guys have bad reputations for whatever reason. Um, among NBA Twitter, like they are all, they're consistently undervalued on NBA Twitter, and I think they are going to find landing spots where it's like all of a sudden, oh, this makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah, I I think both those guys will probably end up elsewhere this season or this off season. Actually, I mean, there's a chance the Cavs keep Colin Sexton and draft just draft Evan Mobley if he drops to them. Oh, I so. I fully expect them to take Mobley at this point. Um, yeah, me too. But uh, yeah, I do think they're trying to free up that backcourt because I do think they like Garland more, which I yeah. do as well. Yeah. Uh, let's go to our stream and then we'll take a break and then we'll bring Ben Pfeiffer on to discuss the NBA draft. We have Shannon Ward, who is first. Oh, I remember getting into chats and wanting to type first. You ever do that? <laughs> yeah, Shannon's still doing it. Yeah, it's great. Keep it up. Keep it up. Uh, people are are hyped for the Vrens pod. Uh, thanks so much for joining. We have Twice God, Hoopstock69, Lawrence Field is here. Uh, Chad Scott is here. He's excited for the draft party. If you're in OKC or in the surrounding areas, I've seen people that are going to drive in from at least three hours away to come hang out with us uh for the draft party it'll be at fassler hall in midtown in oklahoma city it's gonna be super fun so come grab a pretzel and a schnitzel and come hang out with us at fassler hall for the nba draft that's on the 29th we're almost two weeks away from the draft two weeks and one day away from the draft so join us that night we have my buddy alex bullerjack in the chat uh, he wants JT Thor on the Thunder just to have a Thunder Thor jersey, which makes too much sense. Uh, White Black, uh, Daniel Tomasi is here. Who says Wasan boys? We have Jay. We have Cody Menken. We have Stay Jamaica here with us. Let's see. Joel Angel from Antarctica. Still blows my mind, Joel. Uh, you must be very, very cold, but that's very cool that you're in Antarctica. Uh, Falcon Denmark is here. We have Senator Kenator here. He said his his dog Rick and him are watching from Nashville. I love uh, dogs that are named after uh, older men. Shout out yes. Rick. Uh, Megalosyke Meg- is here from Switzerland. Uh, thanks so much for joining, everybody. Christos from Greece here, as always. Uh, thanks so much for joining, and we'll be right back after this quick break. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back from that quick break. We have Ben Pfeiffer on here. Ben, the reason that we're bringing you on is because we are tired of the conventional mock drafts. I'm tired of seeing Cade Cunningham followed by Evan Mobley, followed by one of the Jalens, followed by Kaminga. Get get that out of here, Ben. Ben, thanks for coming on. We wanted we wanted to hear some of your unconventional takes. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. This is really cool with like the comments and stuff. I've never done a, a pod or a stream like this. <laughs> yeah, man. This is cool. I enjoy it. Yeah. We do a live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so it's super fun. So we should also get, mention that. Oh yeah, go ahead, Al. Andrew. We we should also mention that Ben, you were just announced winner of the first annual Mizzou Chicks Bachelor Contest <laughs> yesterday. Wow! <laughs> Congratulations! I never. Down. <laughs> never. <laughs> That's actually why we brought you yeah. on. Uh, yeah, your, we want to break it down. Screen. That was yeah. the expectation. All right, we're. we're <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. So give us your, let's just start with, give us your top five in this draft and maybe give us your like most unconventional guy that you're really high on. Sure. I mean, my, my top three is going to be pretty consensus. I have Caden Mobley in my first tier um, and then Jalen Green. So fairly consensus. But then my next two, um, I have Josh Giddy and um, Jaden Springer. Which, um, you know, are two pretty a consensus picks. I mean, there are some people on draft Twitter for sure who you know are high on those two, but definitely by mainstream, especially Springer, those two are, you know, definitely you don't see those guys that high. Um, Giddy played last night, actually. Um, big fan of him, but yeah, th- th- that is my top five at the moment, and I don't think that's going to change because I-, I think those are like the clear five best guys in the class. So do. You- so if you were the Thunder, as you know, the Thunder dropped to sixth. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, you know, would we rather Kuminga or Scotty Barnes fall to six? So if you were in that position, you guys vanished. You're gone. You're back. So if you were in that position, would you be looking at Josh Giddy and Jaden Springer for the Thunder? Um, Definitely not Springer, just because, like, you can get him so much later. Like, in the in, in consensus mocks and and boards, like he's not going until the late first round, which is absurd to me. But like, th- there's no reason to take him that high to me because you can trade back or just wait and get him later. Giddy, I don't really know. I think like he's been steadily climbing, and it wouldn't shock me if he creeped into like the top, you know, five six ish. Again, I think you could maybe trade down and get him, but I wouldn't hate it. I think 
Um, I think he makes a lot of sense um, as a pair with, you know, with Shea long term. Just add like a really, a really special passer uh, next to Shea, who's obviously like a really special creator um, at this age. You know, Shea is amazing. Um, and then, you know, Giddy, who I, who I believe in as a scorer as well, I think. I think the shot is going to be fine. I think he's going to get really strong um, and, you know, be able to use his strength-based creation uh, and his touch to, to, to finish and create advantages. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Giddy would be really fun with the Thunder as well. And do you th- Thinking about his shot specifically, like if you're comparing Kuminga, Barnes, and Giddy, which of those guys do you have the most confident in, confidence in that they will be able to develop a shot and why? Oh, definitely Giddy because what I, and I think just like looking purely at the numbers, Giddy Giddy's the winner. Um, Scotty mm-hmm. has had shooting issues forever, like going back to you know as long as I've been watching him, which is I've been watching Scotty since his junior year of high school, um, and he's never been a guy who can really shoot. Um, I mean, this year at Florida State, like I, I, I was a little encouraged by his willingness to take tougher shots, but still, like the volume wasn't great, and he just wasn't that great of a shooter. Kuminga as well, like I think everyone knows the efficiency has been, you know, a big problem throughout his career. Again, I've been watching him since like his junior year of high school, and he's been a guy who has just not improved as a shooter. And then Giddy, um, who I think is the youngest of the three. Um, has the best shooting numbers, you know, takes the most, takes the most threes. Um, and I think is just going to be, you know, guys who are that young, that tall, um, and, you know, are, are comfortable, you know, attempting and making difficult pull-up threes and difficult mid-range pull-ups tend to be, um, you know, good NBA shooters. So I have definitely have faith in, in Giddy being a solid enough shooter, even if he's, you know, not an amazing shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Who who are you probably lower on than most people? Um, a couple people. I'm definitely lower on Kuminga. Um, lower. Where would on you Giddy. have him? How how low would you have him, Kuminga? I have Kuminga in like the mid-teens area. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. lower on Davion Mitchell for sure. Yeah. Um, I have him in like the mid twenties. Lower yeah. on Book Knight, James Book Knight. I have him in the same range. Um, I feel like I'm low on book night too. What, what, what is it about him? Like I, to me, it's the passing. It's like the tunnel vision. It's he's, he's going to be, he's going to be able to get buckets. There's no doubt, but I just, I worry about him functioning in an NBA offense without just any vision at all. Yeah. I just think book night, like to me, the, the idea of book night as this like elite on ball, like three level scorer is just not true to me. Like he he is a very high level play finisher in my mind. Like he is an incredible finisher like with mm-hmm. his body control and vertical athleticism uh, and ability to like do these like crazy contortion finishes. Um, I think he's going to be you know, a, a, a fine enough shooter, um, but like probably like a good, not great shooter, which is definitely an issue for him in an off ball role. Like an amazing cutter. Like I've said, he should go play wide receiver. Like like the way he cuts <laughs> off the ball. Um, but yeah, like you're totally right. He, you know, the passing is really problematic. Um, all this stuff is like basic one read and you know, the, like, he often just won't pass um, yeah. when he should, no doubt. And, you know, his, his handle is a problem. His, his just general creation chops downhill, especially 
are problematic for a guy projected on the ball. And then his defense to me is kind of a mess. So, I mean, as just like an off and off ball scoring guard, but there's definitely use for that. Um, if you know, if you're a team with 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 your creators or you know high level defenders in place. Um, but again, that's like a player that that's a complimentary piece to me. That's more of a value in like the late first than the the top ten even, which I've seen. You know, I've seen mocks have him as like as high as six, which yeah. is just like not a good pick to me. Going back to Kuminga, because a lot of times when people are pro Kuminga, they've seen the shooting inefficiency in the G League bubble, but they kind of come back with, and we've talked about this, Andrew, like the context of that G League bubble. It was a weird environment. It, w- it was a very small sample size. There's reasons to believe that he could be better in a, a, a better situation. As someone who has watched him, though, for you know, since his junior year, like you mentioned, what are the things that you see that make you lower on him even beyond what you saw in the G League bubble? Yeah, I mean, I'll say on, on the efficiency, like, like Kuminga's always been really inefficient from everywhere on the floor, um, which was, it was you know, just an issue not seeing it improve. I was actually a pretty big Kuminga fan, especially relative to like other like draft Twitter people before the season. Um, but that was kind of projecting improvement and hoping for him to improve on the things like his shot making and his decision-making, and his defense. And honestly, yes, like, the, the competition level for sure increased. But those things honestly, like, regressed, if, if anything. Where, I, I mean, yes, you can say the competition level increased. It's difficult. But then you, you look at Jalen Green, who improved on all of those things, at mm-hmm. you know, playing up a competition level, who got better at everything. Unlike Kuminga. But, you know, back to his actual game, like, again, I just... I'm not sure I see like the the real upside with him, especially like it seems like he's not going to be an incredible shot maker at this point, just because like he he's never had that track record and this year he didn't do it as much. Um, the the decision making feel, the just like he has so many holes in terms of. There are moments when he gets downhill so effortlessly, like just like one one two step overwhelmed with the rim, but. Um, it's just not as many as you need. Okay, I'm gonna have you guess on his on his 11 minute highlight mixtape from the season. How many <laughs> unassisted rim makes do you think Jonathan Kuminga had? A guy who is projected as like an elite slasher. How many unassisted rim makes on his 11 minute highlight tape? I'm guessing two, based on the way you said it. <laughs> I'm okay, saying it's, it's very low. Ten. It's actually 10. Oh, 10. Oh, he's pretty good then. Everyone guesses way too low. Um, But like (laughs) for for context, that's fewer than Josh Giddy had on his highlight tape. And Josh Giddy is often seen as like an underwhelming athlete. Um, You know, someone who lacks burst. And there's truth to that. And and there's truth to that about Giddy, no doubt. But yeah, it's just like Kuminga is so like he's so he doesn't use physicality nearly enough. Um, His handle is weak. His feel for the game generally, and like his passing, is really problematic. Um, and then, and, and then his defense at the moment is just you know kind of a mess. I mean, I I don't think he's a lost cause on defense for sure because he's you know very strong, uh, moves well laterally, and shows flashes of off-ball defensive prowess. You know, most eighteen-year-olds are bad at defense, especially ones that that you know are are, are later to basketball like Kuminga. Um, so. I mean, I, I I do think Kaminga can definitely be a good NBA player, no doubt. But I'm just not. Sh- I just think 
the path is probably more of like a secondary scoring wing with with mm-hmm. you know additive defense than like a real creator, which is I think where the disconnect lies with me and Kuminga in the top you know top five six ish. And I think mm-hmm. for Thunder fans, it they see it as more of like a upside play, like a ceiling play with Kuminga. Would you would your answer still be giddy to the question like outside of the consensus top four like the Jalen's and Evan Mobley and Cade, who has the highest ceiling for you? Is it Josh Giddy? Like if it's just that's pure a, ceiling, that's a good question. I think it's probably Giddy. Yeah, I mean, just because I think like if he figures out that scoring, like that's a really good player because like. Like, like the tall passers just don't come around. I mean, th- this class is loaded with tall passers. Like, um, yeah, it is. Like, like Scotty and Jalen Johnson and, you know, other guys. And Kate, obviously. But I think, you know, aside from Kate, he's like definitely the, the guy with the most scoring upside. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's Giddy. I think you can make an argument for Keon as another guy with, with, with a really high ceiling um, in terms of realistic options. But yeah, I think it's probably Giddy for me. So everybody's got Shangun takes. Give us your Shangun take. Um, I actually just watched Shangun. Um, I he he's certainly interesting. Also, I mean, it's been it's been interesting for me, like because I you know, kind of like started the draft cycle very late this year, but it's like basically Netflix binging the class. It's, it's been quite interesting, and it's it's ridiculous that there's like a week till the draft. It, it, I can't be right, but like. <laughs> um, Sangoon, I think he's interesting. Like he seems pretty polarizing to me. Like some people have him in like their top five, and yeah. some people have him like outside the first. I definitely lean towards the skeptical side on Sangoon, and like the macro case for that is just like a six nine non shooting, non moving center is a player that I have issues with in terms of projection. Like, Shingun is a really, really good player, like, no doubt. And what he's done in Europe as an 18-year-old is undoubtedly impressive and matters, I think. But I only think it matters so much because you have to think about translation and, and scalability in terms of fitting next to other pieces, in, in, especially stars in the NBA. And on offense, I worry about how he scales down because he's, like, an amazing post-up score, like, really, really special for his age mm-hmm. in terms of footwork and craft. But I don't really think he's a good role man because of his lack of finishing ability, you know, in, in those specific areas because of his explosion and his strength. So, you know, if he can't scale as a role man and he's not shooting and his passing is solid to me, but not, you know, incredible, you know, like how is he adding value? Because, you know, he he's probably not going to get post-up touches in the NBA super regularly, or at least not like many times a game like he did in, in Europe. So, I mean, maybe as like a bench unit score, but again, as a starter, unless he like somehow becomes this like outlier, incredible, like small post score, which, you know, since it's not 1960, seems pretty unlikely. Um, like, I just don't see it. And then defensively, like, like, he's pretty smart. He has good instincts. And he has like solid short area change of direction in terms of like defending and drop coverage and like making interior rotations. But I just don't think he's mobile enough to survive. Um, mobile nor like strong or explosive enough to survive either as like a perimeter focused defender or as like an interior weak side rim protector type defender. Um, so yeah, I just don't really see it. There's definitely value in, in what he does and what he has done. And I think that's worth like 
a first round pick. Um, I think it would be fine if a team took him in like the early twenties, if they, you know, if they saw the vision with him and, and thought they could develop him into something interesting, maybe really improve his perimeter skill. But like, to me, I don't think he's like a lottery pick or a top 10 pick. Yeah. He's, he is really difficult because like John Hollinger is really, really high on him and John Hollinger's, his logic is that there's never been a player out of Europe who comes to the NBA at 19 years old, that's been this productive that hasn't been successful. Like it's never happened. Uh, and so like the statistical argument from Hollinger is, is really intriguing, but then, yeah, there's like the, is he a modern big? And I've talked to a few people that say he could be Kevin love. And I was, and there's a lot of projection that goes on yeah. to get I that mean, far. Yeah. You gotta um, kind of project a pretty outlier shooting jump there. Cause you know, love is like yeah. a pretty all time four shooter. And like, Yes. Tengun is yeah. currently not shooting. Like Right. Yeah, and he he shot a lot more jumpers as as his season went on. So I have I have a little bit more faith in the jumper just because he was I mean at the beginning of the season it was like all back to the basket all the time. But as his season progressed, he's he started taking a lot more mid range jumpers, took a few more threes, uh and they didn't fall, yeah. but you know, he, he was yeah. getting a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I don't think Sengun is totally hopeless as a shooter. I mean, I definitely think he has you know, the touch and the indicators to get to where he's a solid, like, spot-up shooter. But again, the question is, like, how does like how much does that really matter for his role if he's, like, just a solid spot-up shooter? Like, if he's, like, 35% on low volume, which I think is totally attainable. Like, I agree he can get Sure. Like, just, like, I question how valuable that truly is because, you know, teams won't respect that. Mm-hmm. Kind of going along with just how it's so hard to evaluate him because, you know, he clearly has that offensive skill. Who is the draft prospect that even after watching all their tape, you're still not confident in your own take on them? Like the, the prospect that's been the hardest for you to evaluate or project? Uh, that's a good question. Probably Sharif, honestly. Um, yeah, Sharif for sure. Cooper, who... <laughs> I had initially been a skeptic because it's just so difficult at that size, especially when you're not a shooter. Um, just he is, I mean, he's tiny. He's not 6'3", as the combine measurements would say. Um, I know, that was wild. I mean, you, you can't actually find those measurements on NBA.com anymore. They've deleted Oh, really? Them. You can't? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. they clearly a mistake. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Sharif, maybe they measured his hair or like, no, Sharif yeah. was that like. That had to have been it. Like that, like that had to have been it. That's or the they just like inputted sense. the wrong like data set. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, Reef is like probably 5'11 or six foot. Like I know people who are not that tall and I stood next to him and they're like, yeah, I'm taller than this dude. Yeah. But, <laughs> but Reef is like, he's just ridiculously good. Like there are very few um, prospects. Like he has elite skills. Like he, he is to me the best passer in the class. Like he's a really special passer in terms of his yeah. manipulation and his base awareness. Um, just the way he fools defenders and can zip passes into windows, even even kind of um, like you know with his size deficiencies and like it, it, it's really ridiculous. And that combined with his with his rim pressure ability and his burst and his, 
I think to me, like his slashing craft stuff is special. Like he is a true bully guard at five eleven. Like he will, he will put dudes with five inches and thirty pounds on him in the rim like regularly and, and finish through it over them. Like he, um, like I, I think he he averaged like almost eight rim attempts a game this year. And the only high-level guard prospect I've found in the last like 10, 15 years to to eclipse that is is Ja is Ja Morant, who you know is is blossoming into quite the player. Um, even more even even more rim attempts than our beloved Shea, um, who is a monster <laughs> there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the issue with Reef there is like, can he ever score? Because like even with the like the creation stuff, like he like was a terrible finish like even though like Sharif has like some of the best finishing craft I've ever seen out of a guard um in terms of his like his, his touch and ability to you know hang in midair and use euro steps and in his footwork and his strength and his balance um like he's a terrible finisher because he's just so tiny yeah. um and then like again the shot isn't there I think what's really going to be crucial to him is adding like an effective intermediate game like, you know, a la Trey, um, he doesn't have that floater or that, you know, mid-range pull-up right now. Yep. And that's going to be super important for his scoring development. Um, so, yeah, like, there's a lot of downside with Reef, which is why, you know, I initially had him lower. Like, if he's not scoring and his defense is – I actually wasn't as, like, like horrified by his defense as I expected to be. Like it was better than I expected. I think because of the strength, it could be like not bottom of the league, which matters. But you know, it's it's still going to be an issue because of his size. Um, mm-hmm. His shooting and scoring could be an issue. But like I just think like the, the draft was an upside game, and he's he has too much ceiling with his advantage creation and his passing, and the potential for some you know interior scoring to really, um, I mean, truly really pass on high like. I just think his ceiling um, is really too special. And I have yeah. a lot of FOMO with him, ranking him low as well. Like, I don't I don't want to miss out on this guy as well. If Because if he hits, he's really going to hit. Um, yeah. But yeah, Reef has definitely been a challenge for me this cycle. I mean, like, I recently watched him play um, against uh, my Missouri Tigers, um, and he absolutely, like, eviscerated them. Like, that was maybe the best prospect game I've seen all year, like, just unbelievable domination. Um, and like, so yeah, I mean, I just like, at this point I'm definitely leaning higher on him. Like I, I don't want to miss out, but I, it, he's tough. He's a difficult one for me for sure. Yeah. Not the, I mean, <clears throat> the passing like with either hand stuff is insane. The handle is crazy, but insane. the, sh- yeah, the shoot, the shooting is, is terrifying. Like I don't, I don't know. I just don't even know if he, if it'll ever even work out for him as a shooter at the next level. And it's just really hard as a guard if to just be a creator like that if no one respects your shot. Like that's yeah. it's just a really tough position to be in. But yeah, he he does he is an elite passer like you said and an elite ball handler. There's he might be the best in the class at both. And that might be enough for you to take him, you know, somewhere in like the late lottery. 
yeah, I mean, I could, you know, definitely imagine like a team like 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 I, I could rationale like the Magic taking him as high as, as high as eight. Like I think that would be a great fit, a great spot. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if a team was like you know on trading up for him, who, who really, like if, if the Knicks were in a position in like the top six or seven, then I you know I definitely greenlight taking Sharif for that need. Um, and you know, and, and just you know the stealing. But yeah, I mean, he he could be really special, or like he could not work out out at all. I think the range of outcomes for Sharif is pretty wide. Um, yeah, but like the, the high is really high. Yeah, I was talking to Sam Vecini yesterday about kind of where his range is, and we 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 think it kind of starts at thirteen. Like realistically, like probably at thirteen with the Pacers. Uh, you could talk. I think the Pacers could talk themselves into needing somebody that can create because they don't really that have anybody that can create like him. Um, I'd be a little surprised if he went higher, but yeah, if he's definitely a guy that you can talk yourself into, kind of player. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it's probably a value, honestly, at that point for him. Another guy that uh, I know you're exceedingly high on compared to consensus, is, and I, I think there's a lot of Thunder fans who are into this guy, and tell me if I'm saying his name right, Rocco Perkachin? Uh, I believe it's Rocco Perkachin. Um, Perkachin. The 6'9 forward yeah. from Croatia. Um, what makes him such an intriguing prospect to you? Yeah, um, I have seen a lot of the fans in the comments talking about Rocco, and I appreciate that because um, I do love Rocco dearly. It's kind of confusing to me that he is like as as on like under the radar as he is. Like a lot of like boards and mocks will have him like outside of the first, which mm-hmm. doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, I mean the main reason because he's just really good, but the other reason is because like he seems like the type of player that mainstream will love because he dunks on everybody. Like his his highlight tape is one of the coolest in the class. Like go watch his like his, his like ten minute mixtape from this season. Like if you have time, because like he just dunks on everyone, um, which is like I feel like you know a lot of like like the white European stereotype is like you know shy, afraid, timid kind of offensive player. Like he is the anti dragon bender. Um, he, he, <laughs> like, like he's very much wired like Poku. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like do cool stuff, like is his mo, and like do stu- do do cool stuff and kill people is Rocco's mo, and I think yeah. that's like really positive for his development. Um, honestly, like he, um, he is just like such a well-rounded forward, um, and is like I think the second youngest player in the draft to Josh Primo, um, you know, playing. I mean, I think obviously uh, Sengun gets talked up, you know, for his numbers in the Turkish league. Rocco was really, really good in a better league in the Adriatic, um, you know, which is known for producing NBA talent, um, you know, and has been for years. So Rocco, I mean, offensively, I think there's a lot to point to. Um, again, the the slashing, you know, attacking closeouts, like he can really, um, you know, get up, finish. Um, I think the passing is really underrated. I think he's a quick decision maker. Um, really flashes some high level interior passes, and like the shot is the question people have, and it's definitely worrying at this point. But I do think that Rocco is um, probably going to shoot just because you know similar reasons as Giddy. Like he's taking threes, difficult threes at a young age. Um, you know he's he's un- Rocco is so unafraid to shoot. If he catches the ball on the perimeter with with an ounce of airspace, he is firing, which. Again, is maybe an issue later in his career, but I love that for his shooting development, just getting those reps in. Defensively, he's like super solid as an off and on ball defender, really mobile. Um, just again, like 
a versatile like modern combo for with I think a lot of pathways to offensive development, whether that's improving his handle on the perimeter or improving his shot, um, or you know upping his scoring volume. Like I just think there's a lot of room for him to. He fits so well in the modern NBA and he can fill so many different roles. And I think there's so many different ways you can take his development. And I'd definitely be really interested in, to see him on a team like the Thunder, um, where you know he could you know theoretically have more leeway to do stuff and to create and to make mistakes. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Rocco. Um, I think it's ridiculous he's going to go as low as he is. Some team's going to get a steal. Yeah. Uh, okay, a couple more questions and we'll let you go. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. It's Jalen Suggs. Why are you such a hater? <laughs> <laughs> Jalen Suggs, why am I such a hater? I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess like relative to consensus, yeah. I mean, I, like, I mean, Jalen Suggs is a really good player. Like, no doubt. Yeah. I just like... I to, to me like creation is king and like shooting for those on ball guys um, is just what you want to do and which is which is why I have guys like Giddy and Springer and Green ahead of him I mean Mobley and Kate I think obviously but I mean someone disagree but I mean Giddy I, I I think those two those three are just you know a lot better in terms of their creation ceiling and you know some of them with defense I mean mm-hmm. Suggs. Suggs, I think, is a really is going to be a really great complimentary guard with some creation potential himself, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. His passing is awesome. I think it's maybe a little overrated because um, I don't think he creates those those really high level those high level those high level advantages like those really high level passes, um, you know, with his deliveries and his manipulation. But like his his spatial awareness and court mapping, and you know, especially like as like an off ball complimentary passer. Someone who could work off, you know, a creator like Shea and secondary pick and rolls and semi transition and off off of off ball actions. Like he's a, you know, he's a really amazing passer there. I am very big on his shooting as well. Um, you know, obviously it dipped in the second half of the year, but just like the volume, the versatility and comfortability he's shown, like I think he's going to be a fantastic pull up shooter. And then like he, he is really bursty as well. Like he can get he can get downhill, but you know, just his his handle, his lack of flexibility. Um, the the finishing concerns to me like well he's a very good tough finisher he just really cannot jump and he has and his lack of length I think shows as a finisher sure um, so I worry about that translating and then I think he's a little overrated defensively like to me he's not very good at the point of attack um, just at this point full stop like he's a problem and then obviously like he has ridiculous instincts off the ball everyone knows that but I think. Oftentimes he gets caught up like hunting deflections and gambling for big plays and actually you know making rotations and, and being sound, which is again like a a problem for young guys. Um, and like I I think that's something that can get ironed out. But I, I just think context is important with Suggs because he can um, you know like Gonzaga was the perfect context for him to mask all of his weaknesses sure. and to highlight all of his strengths. And was, you know, not forcing him to create in difficult spots. And when he did later in the season, I think, you know, especially like if you go watch, you know, those later season West Coast games, like the the BYU games towards the end of the year, he really struggled uh, against higher level defenses and, you know, to get his own shot. And I think that's the concern. And a guy who's, you know, like a complimentary guard who's non-elite defensively um, and might not be an elite shooter. Like I, I think he's be a very, very good shooter, but maybe sub-elite. Um, that's a guy who I just have issues with taking as high as as high as players who I believe have real creator upside. Um, like 
and that's just a philosophy difference for me. Like I would not begrudge anyone for having Suggs in the top three. Like I, I, I would begrudge them for having them in the top two or one. But like, like, at, like at three, I think that's totally fine. Like I think you know Suggs going as high as three is is fine and good. Like he's he is a very very good player and a very good prospect and is going to be a very good NBA player. I just have I just have issues in terms of my philosophy and the way that I evaluate at the top of the draft that. I think you know limits me from having him higher, but he's like a very good player. And like I, mm-hmm. I, I am a huge fan of him and have been a big fan of his since you know since the first time I saw him, which was like FIBA, like one of the FIBA tournaments forever ago. Well, yeah. it kind of sounds like you would prefer him in a situation like Oklahoma City, where he could play off of a primary creator like Shea, as opposed to like Toronto, where he's getting mocked, where he would they're basically drafting him to be their lead point guard primary creator. Yeah, I think a situation where you know you you have an offense that that's willing to that's willing to fit to his you know, you know work around his his weaknesses is key, and like especially when you have a guy like Shea who like kind of fills in the biggest gap, which is like his rim pressure and his creation, because um, you know obviously Shea is going to be really special at that. I mean he already is and is, is going to be you know a monster um, as he ages. Um, so yeah, I mean I, I think that makes, I, I think Suggs and Shea is actually a really synergistic fit. Um, assuming Suggs improves on defense as most players do. Um, yeah, I mean, that's actually a fit I like a lot. I mean, it's probably not going to happen, but um, right. like I, right. would, I, I do extremely like that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah he's one of my favorite fits with, with Shea that's in, this top, in the top part of the draft. Uh, okay, so let's say everything stays pretty chalk. Cade, Mobley, Green, Suggs, Kaminga. Who are you taking at six if you're the Thunder? Um, like assuming realistic options. Um, and the Thunder aren't the Thunder are fearless when it comes to taking guys. I think there's some teams that would be scared to go away from consensus. I don't think the Thunder are that. So, so feel free to so, so feel free to say whoever you think because I think the Thunder yeah. will take whoever they want. So the consensus top five is gone. Yeah, I can't go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're gone. Yeah, I think I'd go Giddy honestly. Like, yeah, I like him that much. I think just like for me. Um, fit wise, like maybe there's issues with you know two big creators, but I think you figure that out later. Um, but I think he is like far and away the best player on the board that they can get realistically, because like like I said, they're not going to take Springer this high. That would be ridiculous, like yeah. because, of, because of how other teams value him. Um, I could like honestly, I think Moody, like Moses Moody, is a guy who I'd also strongly consider. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, Moody might even be better because like. Yeah, I actually think I might change my answer to Moses Moody because, like, right. just like adding That's Alex's guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely love Moses Moody. Have been Moody Mafia for like a long, a long time. Another guy I've been watching since like his junior year of high school. Um, it's just you know so good. Like when you're looking for like that second piece, like 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 the first piece, like is, is your primary offensive creator, your engine, which the Thunder you know, seem to have. And then, you know, he's like, you need to add those complimentary wings. And Moody is like perfect there. Like his offense, like he's going to be an amazing shooter. His complimentary offense, um, off the catch, attacking, finishing, secondary passing, like foul draw, grifting. Like he is like, as as my good friend PD Webb says, like the best four point play drawer since Jamal Crawford. Like <laughs> it is yeah. uncanny how he does that. And then, you know, defensively, there's like so so long strong laterally quick especially defending you can really defend up such a smart team defender 
Um, just just going to be an, an incredible complimentary wing with, I think, some real shot-making upside that is kind of, you know, not discussed very often. So, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at compliment, like complimentary wing players who can really add value without usage, um, that would be that would be you know an awesome fit but then like i'm thinking about josh giddy and poku on the same floor and that 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 would be some that would be certainly an experience yeah the confidence alone would be worth the watch between those two (laughs) and then we and then we could get uh rocco at 16 oh my god rocco poku those three those three like on, on the same floor would be the most hilarious basketball experience ever. It would, it be, really would be incredible. <laughs> I would, I would pay a lot of money, a lot of money to see that play out. Like, <laughs> Oh man, Ben, thanks so much for coming on the show. Tell everybody where they can find you, what you've been doing. Uh, we really appreciate it, man. Yeah, of course. This was a blast. Um, I am going to, uh, my Twitter is at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore, um, I'm just posting, you know, my little voice notes on prospects, which I have a ton of at this point. Um, it's different clips, draft tweets, um, nothing too much. Just you know, preparing for the draft. Uh, again, cannot believe that it is so soon. Somebody asked earlier, "What is on my hat?" On my yes. Hat. Um, somebody asked earlier. I, I, I see you. I didn't. Mean, um, but yeah, so that, that's it. Not too much. Go follow me. Um, thank you guys so much for having me on. This was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, great. Ben. All right, Al. Uh, we'll wrap up here. Any any closing thoughts? No, I was actually very surprised that he uh, went with Moody at the end. I did not see that coming because I've, I've been following him and yeah. I, I know a lot of his takes. Um, and I guess with Giddy, my only thing is that's the type of guy that if you draft him, you want to put the ball in his hands day one. Not only because he's such an yeah. amazing creator, but also because you have those concerns about his shooting. Like, what what is he going to do off ball? Um and it sounded like at the end he he kind of felt that way as well, opting for Moody. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I I watched Giddy last night in that Olympic uh, exhibition game against Nigeria, and um, there are things he does that are just like super impressive. And I'm I'm feeling more confident in him. I still don't know if that's like who I would want the Thunder to take, um, but but I definitely get the case for him. Yeah. And the Thunder won't be scared to take a guy like Giddy right. at six. Yeah. And with the way they've been drafting, like tons of international players, I would not be surprised if they saw that as like the market inefficiency here, which has been something for a long time. That you know, unless it's a player even even Luca, like people were afraid to take Luca high in the draft. Yeah. Because Guys, because they're afraid that he's going to be the next Darko or whatever it is. While like Kaminga will go high in this draft, and I like Kaminga. I like the idea of him. I like the idea of him developing in OKC. But there is a chance that we do a redraft in three years, and we're like, oh my gosh, like he would go twenty first. You know, there's like that's that is certainly a reality that we could face here relatively soon. So. Uh, We're going to end here. If you are listening on the pod, you are going to hear a short interview with with Vrenz. It's, again, very fun. Hope you guys enjoy it. If you're on the stream, thanks so much for tuning in. And we will talk to you guys again on Friday. With me, special guest, Vrenz Blydenberg.
Friends, you worked out for the Thunder. You're a part of this draft process. Uh, really excited to have you on. Thank you so much, and welcome to Down to Dunk. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here. So I we connected through Twitter. You've been having a blast, like just being a part of different fan bases, right? And you know, letting people yeah. know where you're working out, which has been really cool. Uh, I, I mean, think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really fun to be out of a Twitter because when I was younger and I reached out to players and they didn't react, I had a bad feeling, and I think it's really, really fun for the for the fans from even from OKC or whatever what team it is to to have a respond or sometimes a like or whatever, having fun with them and it's a big thing. It's also they're connected to the club, so it's important yep. to have a, such a connection with the fans, and I think. For me, it's really important. I don't know. I'm not speaking for other guys, but for me, it's really important to have a good connection with the fans. Yeah, I think it's it's really cool and really fun. And it's the reason you're on our show today. So I'm really I'm thankful <laughs> for that. Uh, let's first just tell people about your game and maybe what you see translating to the NBA level. I mean, the biggest thing in my profile is I'm really versatile. I can't do a lot on the court. I'm not like specific a ball handler or a guy that have to catch and shoot it or play on the catch. I mean, I can play with the ball in my hands. I can play uh, off ball. I can move off ball. I can play as a de- in a defensive role. So I think that's the biggest part of if, uh, of my profile. Uh, bringing what I can bring to the to the NBA team. I think yeah, a lot of energy. I think uh, also more European basketball because it's more taken over in the league too. So I think I can bring a lot of positive things to an NBA team, yeah. Yeah. I think the thing you left out is that you're, are you 6'10 or 6'11? Depends. Which shoes I'm 6'11? 6'11. <laughs> I, I mean, most guys get listed with 6'11, uh, with shoes on. So I'm 6'11. Yeah. 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 6'11 with shoes and you play on the perimeter, which is not... Unlike one of the players that's on the Oklahoma City Thunder and Alexei Pokashevsky, who like mm-hmm. like similar in that you both can grab the ball off the rim and push. Yeah. You're both really mm-hmm. like excellent passers. Uh, do did you know much about uh, Alexei Pokashevsky? You know, prior to him being in the NBA, or I did mean, you watch I, him at all? I know him by name, mm-hmm. but. Uh, in Europe, I didn't know him because he had not a lot of playing time in Europe and not yep. the same experience as me. Yeah. Because I was playing way more. Okay, he was he was in a better club with a higher level, but he didn't play a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I got I got a less good team, but I played a lot in Europe. So, but I knew him from name, and I saw him around being okay. So he got picked to 17, I think. So yep. that's really cool. It was good for him, and I think OKC is also a right spot for him as a player. And it will be the same for me, but we will see what's going to happen. Yeah. So Oklahoma City was the first team that you worked out for. Yeah. You were a part of the the second combine. And then did you get, did your agent get the call from OKC after that combine? Or how did that happen yeah. for you? I mean, my agent uh, catched up with, um, like, he, get, he got every, every workout, he got a call. So that's good. I had yeah. a lot of good feedback because... I think all the Americans, when they see me, they get more interest because when they think like, oh, Belgian player, was that? Yeah. 
but when I'm doing the workouts, you can really see what I can do on the court and what are my positive things are. And I think like on every workout, I showed really like good positive things. Mm-hmm. In OKC, my, that was one of my best workouts uh, because I, I always also liked the vibe over there. And the Minnesota Combine, I really did a great job, showed for all the teams. So I think I'm doing a really good job. And yeah, I think uh, I don't want, I just don't want to regret myself something. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, you've been in how many, like five or six different cities in the last. Yeah, like, my sixth one. Yeah. I'm now in my sixth one. Yeah, I'm sure it's exhausting. But like this is this is kind of the 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 fun pressured part of it is that you're trying to is, see see as many sure. teams as you can. For sure, for sure. So tell us it about it's just fun, man. It's just enjoy I'm just enjoying the process and yeah. Whatever what team that believes in me, I'm just gonna work hard for them and that's the most important thing. Yeah. So tell us about coming into OKC. What were your impressions of the city when you first flew in? And then let's we'll talk about the Thunder. Yeah. That's a long story because I know Vic Ritchie. Oh, okay. Uh, I always be yeah, I know him very well. He's a good friend of me. Yeah. Uh, and uh when I I landed in OKC, I had a 20 hour flight from Belgium. Yep. So uh, I landed in OKC. Uh I slept in the hotel for the first night and then in the morning after. Uh, Vit picked me up at the hotel. He showed me something like downtown. He showed me the gym. Yeah. He, he showed me some business. I was really getting used to it. And um, I really enjoyed it. And then we had a small workout together, me and Fit. Then the rest of the day, I just took off some rest for the workout the day after. And then, yeah, I had a good workout. Uh, I, get, I had a good talk with the coaches, the trainers, uh, the staff members. So, yeah, I really liked the OKC a lot. Yeah, that's great. What what did Vit share with you about the Thunder? Had he been sharing stuff with you about the Thunder? You know, prior I mean, to that? just how is everything? It's a family thing. Everything the team is really important, and yeah, they are in a growing process, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it will be cool if I can be a part of it. But yeah, it's not in my hands, like I already said. Yeah. But yeah, I, he really liked the Thunder also, and. We are, he's also a tall, versatile player like me, yep. like Pokoshevsky. So, I, I mean, I can't see what OKC is doing. But, yeah, we will see in the future what's going to happen for me. Yeah. I'll be honest. I didn't know a ton about you. And then I read a draft profile of you. And I, mm-hmm. the first thing I thought was, like, this is a Thunder player. Like, 6'10", versatile, <laughs> good passer. I mean, that's it's funny because the, the first iteration of the Thunder was – very raw athletic player that was kind of what everybody thought mm-hmm. of a thunder player then now yeah. today things have started to shift where it is most players on the thunder are very very skilled like similar to yourself mm-hmm. and to me i i would the thunder have lots of picks in this draft which you already know mm-hmm. and you know I, know I think that it I think the fit the fit is there, and I'm I'm hopeful too that you wind up with the Thunder just because yeah. I I I think you fit this group pretty well. I mean, I mean, I think Thunder is on a good way because it will pay off. Now it's maybe early because we got a lot of young players, and uh, okay, so you got a lot of young yeah. players, <laughs> and uh, and they're in the building process. But I think like when they 25, 26, like maybe even earlier, it will pay off. Yeah. And, and OKC will be really great, like in a few years. Yeah. So, just tell me a little bit more about the 
the workout process with the Thunder? What kind of drills were they having you do? Were you doing one-on-one, I mean, like three-on-three? Yeah. Three? What were you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of three-on-three, one-on-one, and a lot of shooting, too. So uh, shooting, yeah, I like to shoot. I'm a decent – yeah, I was, I was always, like, in the unit, really good shooter. And now, also, I, I can't really shoot the ball. But, yeah, also three-on-three, three, reading the game, five-on-five five against coaches. That was also a big thing that's different than in uh, other workouts. So, yeah, I did a great job in the workout. It was really fun. Uh, and, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. So are you there working out with just Thunder personnel? Or are you there working out with other potential draft picks? What was the setup like? Um, most of the guys were, like, projected first-rounders. So I was around, uh, you know, I was surrounded with a lot of potential for to get drafted in the first round. Yeah. Uh, so it was like a really good workout. The trainers were also positive about the workout. Also, there was a lot of testing, jumps, speed, vertical, like whatever. Uh, they also showed all the facilities. So yeah, it was really a great workout and the facilities are really nice. Yeah, their practice facility is really nice. Uh, so, did you did you spend mm-hmm. time talking with with coaches, or was there like a, a sit down part of the of the draft process for you? Yeah, there was uh, for sure an interview part, like the talk with staff members. I had also a really good talk with the coach. It literally really liked my profile. So yeah, I had the really good conversations over there in OKC and. Yeah, like I said already a few times, they're like really a family and that's like what is different than other teams. And yeah, that's a big thing over there, Yeah, being one family. Yeah, so you've worked out for the Kings, the Timberwolves, you're in Charlotte now, yes. And then what what other, Memphis? Yeah, Memphis. So compare, can you compare and contrast maybe what, like how OKC was different to kind of give the fans a feel for that? Just the, the difference in uh, being per, like perfect, like how they getting used to uh, how they how the gym is, like how the balls are in the rack. Like they are trying to be perfect. Hmm. Like if you come on the court, you got to tuck in your shirt, and that's not in other teams. Like it's really like the the details that that matters for them, and and it's really good. It will pay off, and I'm sure about that. So, yeah, I really, like I said, I really like the PC. Yeah. Uh, who are your favorite players in the league? Like, who do you, who do you like to watch? I mean, uh, I really like Luka Doncic. Yeah, he's not an OKC player, yeah. but yeah, uh, I know him also because of uh, my, uh, my, my first guard, like, two years ago. He's a best friend of Luka Doncic. So, I really like him play, and... If I if I gotta study like a player's game, I'm really studying uh, Luka Doncic's game because I'm trying to trying to play like him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I want to be myself for sure. I, I just want to be a special player and not someone else. But if I if I want to pick some things up, uh, it's from uh, Luka Doncic. Yeah. Are you watching the finals? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. It's going great. Who you got? Yeah, it's who nice. you got in the finals? Uh, I was first saying Suns in six, yeah. but now it's gonna be tough. I don't know. Antetokounmpo is on a crazy <laughs> thing; it's going crazy. So I don't know. It's or it's gonna be Suns in six or Bucks in seven. Yeah, one of the two. Yeah, it's he's he's. I, I don't see. I don't see the Suns winning in seven. Yeah, 
Yeah, that would be tough. So is this your first time to be in the States? Yeah, this is the first time I've been in the States, like from the 4th of July. Like normally I was about to be in the combine and all this stuff and going to be earlier in the States, but I didn't have a waiver thing. So oh, okay. uh, we did like a lot of, a lot of time uh, before I couldn't, could be in the States. So the 4th of July, I was in the States and now I got like 13 or 12 workouts in like 22 days. So wow, it's going to, going to be quick. Yeah. How how long do you plan to stay? Do you plan to stay in the states for the draft? Are you going to go home? I don't know. Uh, my last workout is in Milwaukee, the twenty sixth. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm going home or there is going to be a team that's going to say to me like, "Yeah, we're going to pick you, mm-hmm. and you can't stay with us," or my agency is going to say like, "Stay with us." Mm-hmm. Or, but I think I'm I'm about to go home like after the last workout. Yeah. Uh, are you traveling with anybody? Or are you here by yourself? No, nah, I'm by myself. You're by yourself. I'm by myself. Wow. Yeah, yeah. How's yeah, that yeah. been? I'm doing everything alone. So that that's that's also a big thing. That's also like, yeah, I'm very mature. I got a lot of experience already. So that's also a positive thing in my profile. So yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah. How long have you how long have you been playing pro basketball? Pro basketball? Uh this I'm going into my fourth fourth year right now okay so i've been playing for three years now already pro so that's already a lot i played against good teams good players yeah i got a lot of experience that's also who's the who's the best player you played against in europe Mm, middle steel dosage yeah oh yeah no i i I watched you play against him you what one thing that i loved about you is that you didn't back down from him at all and he's kind of yeah i killed him you did it's you're and he's kind of i mean He's kind of a legend there, yes? He's a legend, but yeah, he's good. He's crazy good. We lost both games, but it was really fun. I played like good games against him. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, that makes it more fun. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time. No I appreciate your time too. Yeah, good luck. Good luck in the draft. Uh, and shout out. Wait, can I do a shout out to the OKC fans? Yes, please like take it. your time. Take your time. Because I like them on, on Twitter, bro. <laughs> so, shout out to y'all. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, and we'll talk All to right. you soon. Yeah, for sure. Bye-bye, man.